0: So we've been in our Revelation series for the past 12 weeks, um, and we're going to continue in it today. So let me give you kind of some things that we've talked about over the past 12 weeks. Uh, We've made three kind of definitive statements when studying the book of Revelation, and the first one is this. The book of Revelation is a progressive revealing or unveiling of who Jesus is. Revelation 1.1, that's exactly what it says. That means that the closer we get to Jesus coming back, the more that's going to be revealed to us. The second thing that we understand is this. If it's in the Bible, it's important and we can't skip over it. We can't ignore it. Just because we don't fully understand something doesn't mean that we just get to gloss over it or ignore it like it doesn't happen. So we're called to dive into Scripture in its entirety, not just the Scriptures that make us feel good about ourselves. And the third statement that we've been making is this, keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing throughout scripture, regardless of the book of the Bible, regardless of the verse, regardless of the story that you're reading, the main theme is always Jesus. So we're going to continue to dive into Revelation uh, today. The past seven weeks, we've gone through the seven churches and we've learned from each of those. And today we're going to be in Revelation chapter 4. So go ahead and turn there for me. I will tell you this. Today's gonna be a little different. I'm gonna be hitting a lot of verses today. So this is what I told first service. I'll tell you guys this as well. Get out your notebooks, get out your pens, make sure you're taking notes, pull your phones out, take notes on your phone. I would also encourage you to go ahead and pull up your camera so that you can take some screenshots of the scriptures that we put on the screen because I'm gonna be going through a lot of different scriptures and I want you to be able to go back and read them later. I want you to be here. Here's the deal. Contrary to popular belief, you're not called to come to church so I can spoon feed you whatever you need throughout the week. You're called to study this stuff on your own. You're called to dive into scripture on your own. So don't just show up on Sunday morning wanting me to spoon feed you. Go back and study your notes later. So Revelation chapter four. Here we go. The question that I'm asking today is this. What does it look like when we join with heaven in worship? What does it look like when we join with heaven in worship? I'm going to read Revelation 4, 1 through 11 to us. Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven. And the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the spirit and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones like Jasper or Carnelian and the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow 24 thrones surrounded him and 24 elders sat on them they were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their head and from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumbles of thunder and in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames this is the sevenfold spirit of god in front of the throne was a shiny glass was a sea shiny of glass sparkling like crystal and the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face of a human. And the fourth was like that of an eagle in flight. By the way, Paul's there. Anybody confused yet? <laughs> like anybody confused? Like we're seven verses in. I'll am I'm be honest with you. When I was reading this, I'm going, what, what in the world is going on in Revelation chapter 4? I'm reading these seven verses. What's taking place here? Verse 8, each of these living beings had six wings and their wings were covered all over with eyes inside and out. Day after day, night after night, they kept on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever The 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne and lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they existed because you created what you pleased. Again, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 through 11, you read that and you're like, Okay, I'm kind of tracking, there's these people in heaven, they're worshiping God, what's going on here? But if we partner that with Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9, it says this, Our Father who art in heaven... How would be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus in Matthew 6 is teaching us how to pray, teaching us how to worship. He says, I want you to worship on earth as it is in heaven. But when we get to Revelation 4 and we see these jokers flying around with six wings, you're like, how are we supposed to worship like that? Like, well, what, what's going on? What's the context of what's happening? So, so for us, what does it look like for Multiply Lake Norman? What does it look like for you and me to join with heaven in worship? Here's a disclaimer for this week. Some of y'all think that pastors only work one day a week. Like y'all think we only come up here on Sundays and kind of shoot from the hip. This is one of those things that I had to dive into. I promise you I earned my paycheck this week, all right? Like we, we were diving in, so... Today, I'm going to be in more of a teaching mode. Again, make sure you're taking notes. Make sure you're snapping those pictures because if something seems off to you, if you don't fully track with me, if if you get a little lost, I want you to be able to go to those notes later this upcoming week because here's the news. Good thing, it's an open book test and all of you have the book. It's called the Bible, all right? So go read these scriptures for yourself. Why? Because one of our principles that I just said, just because we don't fully understand it doesn't mean that we get to just skip over it. So Revelation chapter 4, starting in verse 1, I'm going to read the Passion Translation, and it says this, Then suddenly I saw a portal or a door open into heaven, and the same trumpet voice I heard speaking with me at the beginning said, Ascend into this realm, I want to reveal to you what must soon happen after this. So what happens, the first question that I'll ask is, what happens when we join with heaven in worship? Number one is this, we gain access to the throne room of God. We gain access to the throne room of God. This can seem like a foreign concept, the idea of humanity physically walking with God himself. But John, the author of Revelation, is describing this door that he's looking through. Door in the original Greek is thyra, and it means a gate or an entrance or a passageway that you can see into. So what John is describing, what John is writing, he's saying, hey, listen, I've got this sneak peek into what's going on in heaven. I want to let you know how the angels are worshiping in heaven. Remember when God created the heavens and the earth, there were only two levels, and the veil was very thin. Humanity had an open passage between heaven and earth. He's like, Zach, what are you you talking about? Well, Let's go back to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2 verse 4 says this, this is the account of the heavens and the earth. Then they were created when the Lord God made the heavens and earth. The earth, if you keep reading in Genesis chapter 3, after humanity fell, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day. So, so cr- grasp that scene for just a second. Before the fall, Adam and Eve lived in an open heaven. It was the be- in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth so he could walk with humanity. Scripture literally tells us that God himself stepped down out of heaven to walk with Adam and to walk with Eve. If we get to the end of the Bible, what's going to happen in Revelation chapter 21 and 22? It's more of the same. Let me read it to you. We don't go to heaven, heaven comes to earth. Revelation chapter 21, starting in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. You and I as people, we do a really good job at overcomplicating things. Anybody ever notice that in your life? You ever overcomplicate things? I overcomplicate things all the time. My wife has to look at me and go, hey, you need to calm down a little bit. Anybody else's wife do that? No, just mine? All right, thank you for being honest. I see that hand. <laughs> we'll go old school for a second. If you don't hear anything else that I say today, hear this. An open heaven is where we came from, and an open heaven is where we're going. It's what we were absolutely made for. So let's go on a deeper dive. I want to break this thing down. I'm going to ask three questions, and I want you to jot notes down. Again, there's going to be a lot of scripture that's coming up. Feel free to take those screenshots. But the, the three questions are this. Where did we come from, where are we now, and where are we going? Where do we come from, where are we now, and where are we going? We got a, a snapshot as to where we came from, but let me give you more in depth. We came from the Garden of Eden. Remember in the beginning, God started to create. He created everything. He created this garden, and then he created Adam. He created Eve, and he walked with humanity. Let me give you the circumstances of the garden. Again, humanity was created God, God charged Adam and Eve to take care of all the living creatures. He charged Adam to name all the living creatures. Man and woman were created for each other. But, but here's the interesting part. Satan was in the garden too. I I don't know if you're like me or like my five-year-old daughter. Who's got kids in the room? Kids. All right. Um, Parents, you're going to feel me on this one. It's like you tell your kids something and the question out of their mouth, it's a three-letter word that they probably learned before anything else. It's, why? So, some of the grandparents in the room are like, yeah, my grown adult still ask me why. But but the answer, the answer is why? I I read our Bible stories to, to my daughter Piper at night before she goes to bed, and I'll, I'll be reading and, and I'll kind of express something, what's going on in the story, and, and she'll kind of put her hand down on the Bible and she'll go, but why? <laughs> why, daddy? Why, Daddy? And then we go down this rabbit trail of why, but kids ask the question why. And I would say this to us this morning, it's okay for us to ask God questions why. It's okay to not fully understand what's going on in Scripture. Remember, revelation is a progressive revealing or unveiling of who Jesus is. So the closer that we get to Jesus' return, the more that's going to be revealed or unveiled to us. It's okay for us not to fully understand it and to ask questions like, hey, God, why why is this stuff happening? What's going on? So let's go on this little scavenger hunt. Let's jot down these scriptures. In Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 through 15, and in Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 12 through 18, we see Satan's fall from heaven symbolically described. These passages describe why Satan fell, but it doesn't describe when Satan himself fell. Jesus himself said in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, that he saw Satan fall like lightning. Job chapter 38, verse 4 through 7 teaches us that the angels were created before the earth was. And then we understand that Satan fell before he tempted Adam and Eve. And that happened in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 14. How soon after the fall did he tempt Adam and Eve? Listen, that's above my pay grade, all right? I have no idea. It could have been millennia before, it could have been decades before, it could have been years, months, hours, it could have even been seconds before. All, all we know is this, Satan was kicked out of heaven for wanting to take God's place and then he tempted humanity. Now this, this is where it gets a little juicy for me, this is where it gets interesting. Because the reason Satan got kicked out of heaven was because he wanted to take God's place, he wanted eyes on himself. So the same reason he got kicked out of heaven is what he presented to humanity it's what he presented to eve remember the story in the book of genesis he comes up to eve and he says hey this is this fruit that god told you not to eat if you eat it you'll actually become like god if you eat it you actually don't need god so a, eve t- takes the bite y'all remember we talked about this a couple weeks ago where was adam right beside her we want to give women a bad rap nope it was his fault too he was standing right beside her and then he took a bite and humanity fell. Humanity fell from the garden. So that's where we came from. We came from God creating us so he could walk with us in the Garden of Eden. We came from the fall. The next question we'll ask is where are we now? We're in this in-between state. We're in this battle. And in this in-between state, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 tells us that Satan roams around like a roaring lion looking to what? Kill, still. And destroy. And we get a front row seat to this in the book of Job. And to be honest, these passages for me are a little bit trippy because of the access that Satan has. Job chapter one, starting in verse six says this, one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them. Has anybody ever read that before? Because I start to read stuff like this and I'm going, what in the world's going on? How does Satan have access to God? Not only does he have access, but God responds. Verse 7, the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. So, So apparently at this time, Satan was moving freely between heaven and earth. Now, there's two schools of theology. You can go back and study these later. But the two schools of theology that I'll kind of present to you this morning is this. Number one, Satan lost access to heaven once Jesus conquered the grave. The the second school of theology is this Satan's access to heaven will end in Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 through 12. Again, go back and read that a little later. But regardless, we know that in this in between state that Satan roams around, 1 Peter, he roams around like a roaring lion looking to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he's up to, that's what he's doing. We've heard these questions before. If God is so good, then why do bad things happen to good people? If God God is in control, then why do people kill each other? If God is in control, you can fill in your own blank, whatever you want to say. If God's really up there, then why does this happen? I think these are, these are questions that shouldn't point us to the character of God, but they have to point us to the depravity and the fallenness of humanity because of Satan. Why? Because what does he do? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he's roaming around like a roaring lion looking to kill, steal, and destroy. So everything that we're faced with that's negative in life, I'm not saying like the devil's up to it, but we have to understand the function and how he's functioning now on earth. Why? Because it's what he's been doing since the beginning of time. It's what he did with humanity in the Garden of Eden. And that's what he'll continue to do until Jesus returns. So we understand where we came from. Again, we came from the Garden. right? We understand where we are now. We're in this in-between state waiting on Jesus to return. But the next question is this, where are we going? Again, we have to look at Revelation chapter 21 And 22, it's the new heaven and the new earth because the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. But what's the difference between the old and the new? There's only one major difference, and and the big difference is Satan is cast out completely. Where do we see that in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10? And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever endeavor. Listen, I know I know the enemy. I know Satan roamed around in the book of Job. I know that in 1st Peter it, it tells us that he's roaming around now, but after Revelation chapter 20, we never see of Satan roaming around again. What we know is in the new heaven and the new earth there'll be no battle. There'll be no worry, there'll be no anxiety, there'll be no cancer, there'll be no depression, there'll be no sickness, there'll be no lack, there'll be no anything. This is how we can answer the question, why do bad things happen to good people? It's because of the presence of Satan himself. 1 Peter 5, 8, what does he do? He roams around like a roaring lion looking to kill, steal, and destroy. It's not because the lack of the character of God, but it's the character of the enemy. So we have some foundation. Where where do we come from? Where are we now? And where are we going? But some of y'all are like, all right, well, get back to to some of the other stuff. Because Revelation chapter 4 is full of all these individuals flying around the throne. It's full of all this stuff happening. I want you to jot this down. When we worship, we join with and access the praise of angels. This is, the, this is the point that we not, might not fully understand, but we have to lean into the scripture. What do we see? We see living creatures with four faces, a lion, an ox, a human, and an eagle. And, and when I first read this, I have to step back and go, okay, what in the world? Like, what's going on? I don't fully understand it. If you want to cross-reference it, read Ezekiel chapter 1 and Ezekiel chapter 10. I'll read Ezekiel chapter 10 starting in verse 12. Both the cherubim and the wheels were covered with eyes. The cherubim had eyes all over their bodies, including their hands, their backs, and their wings. I heard someone refer to the wheels as the whirling wheels. Each of the four cherubim had four faces. The first was like the face of an ox, the second was the face of a human, the third was the face of a lion, the fourth was the face of an eagle. I want to read Easton's Bible commentary, and I want to talk about the idea or the functions of the angels. Easton's Bible commentary says this, their functions are manifold. In the widest sense, they are agents of God's providence. Get ready for these scriptures. We find that in in Exodus chapter 12, Psalms 104, Hebrews chapter 11, 1 Corinthians 10, 2 Samuel 24. They go on to write this, they are God's agents in carrying on his great work of redemption There's no notice of angelic appearances to man till after the call of Abraham. From that time onward, there are frequent references to their ministries on earth. We see that in Genesis 18, Genesis 19, Genesis 24, Genesis 28, Genesis 32. They appear to rebuke idolatry in Judges chapter 2. They call Gideon in Judges chapter 6. In the days of the prophets, from Samuel downward, the angels appear only... In their behalf in 1st kings 19 2 kings chapter 6 zechariah 1 through 6 and daniel chapter 4 the incarnation or Jesus coming to earth introduces a new era of the ministry of angels they come with their lord to earth to do him service while he's here they predict his advent or his arrival in Matthew chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 1 they minister to him after his temptation and agony in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 22 And declare his resurrection and ascension in Matthew chapter 28, John chapter 20, and Acts chapter 1, verse 10. They are now ministering spirits to the people of God. In Hebrews chapter 1, Psalms 34, Matthew chapter 18, Acts 5, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 12, and Acts 27. They rejoice over the sorrowful sinner in Luke chapter 15. They bear the souls of the redeemed to paradise in Luke chapter 16 and they will be the ministers of judgment hereafter on the great day of judgment. We see that in Matthew chapter 13 and Matthew chapter 24. But, but more, more than all of that, More than us trying to fully understand why the angels look like they do and what their function is, we have to understand that when we worship, we place all of our focus and attention on Jesus. Listen, we can get so caught up in what they look like. Flapping around with six wings, eyes everywhere, sounds weird. But keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is always Jesus. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what their function is. The main thing has to be Jesus. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but humans, you and I, especially this guy, we have have the tendency to be a bit selfish. As long as Zach's taken care of, as long as my needs are met, as long as as my life is, is okay, as long as I'm on track, we have this tendency to be selfish we can make life about us and we can think we're the center of our own worlds but read the scripture in Revelation chapter 4 what are they screaming holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty the one who always was who is and is still to come What do they say in verse 11? You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. One of our three points, we keep the main thing, the main thing and the main thing is always Jesus. When we worship, we transfer the authority of heaven to the thrones of the earth. I'm going to reread verse nine. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thank the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne. So who are the 24 elders? I mean, many theologians believe that, that those elders are the 12 tribes and the 12 disciples, but regardless we know that they represent a ruling authority, but watch what happens. Watch what happens and watch what they transfer as they start to worship. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. Notice the transfer. Regardless of the title, regardless of authority, regardless of position, regardless of their accomplishments, they take down their crowns, they lay it at the feet of Jesus, and they say, holy, holy, holy. What, what do we do in our lives? We strive for the job title. We strive for the paycheck. We strive for the perfect family. We strive to reach our potential. That's all well and fine as long as it's not the main thing. The main thing has to always be Jesus. Whatever you acquire in your life, whatever crowns you have on your head, can you take them down and lay them at the feet of Jesus and say, hey, I don't need eyes on me, but I need, I need all eyes on Jesus. I need all eyes on Jesus. Listen, last Tuesday, man, we all, we all voted. Hopefully you all voted. I made a post on social media. I said, I don't want to hear any type of complaining for anybody in the room if you didn't go vote. Alright? You can complain all you want to if you voted. If you didn't vote, don't complain. But but he, here's the deal. Let me get off that soapbox. Keep the main thing, the main thing, the main thing's Jesus. But listen, someday we won't have to vote anymore because Jesus will be fully in charge over everything. All the polling places will be closed election officials will be out of a job hear me maricopa county won't have to learn how to count all right georgia won't have to have another runoff but listen all all these polling places are going to be closed why because all eyes are on jesus i don't know what the news is going to report but they won't report election results why because all eyes will be on jesus i got to bring this thing first full circle If Revelation is a progressive revealing or unveiling of who Jesus is, again, the closer we get to Jesus, the more that's going to be revealed to us. We can't afford or be afraid of reading the book of Revelation just because we don't fully understand it. But more than all of that, the main thing has to be the main thing. And that's always Jesus. Zach, you're saying the same thing over and over and over again. Yes, I am. I'm hoping repetition sticks with you. I hope it doesn't just go in one ear and out the other. We have to keep Jesus the main thing. Regardless of what happens in life, eyes have to be on Jesus. Regardless of how crazy culture and society might seem, eyes have to be on Jesus. Regardless of re- election results, eyes have to be on Jesus. Regardless of the stock market, eyes have to be on Jesus. Regardless of pain and suffering, Are those things real? Absolutely, they're real. But your eyes have to stay fixed on Jesus. They have to stay fixed on Jesus. I don't know what you walked in with, but what I know is this, your situation can change when your eyes change. Too often, we want to watch our situation to see how it pans out, opposed to lifting our eyes to God Himself. What would happen this morning if we stand and we worship God for who He is? So what we're going to do now is step back into worship, and I want you to fully keep your eyes on Jesus. Hey, thanks for joining us today at Multiply Church. We can't wait to see you again next week, either in person or online, as we continue to love Jesus and change the world.